At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. It is now 52 years later. This is their story. episode we turn to a series of chronicles that were published in 2006 in the Missouri Speleological, the journal of the Missouri Speleological Survey. The chronicles are from a man named Gregory Yoakum, but you better know him as Tex. As stated in the chronicles, the Tex chronicles came about after someone from Mo Caves remarked, somebody ought to compile the writings of Tex Yoakum. He had so much to say and he wrote so many funny stories. A gentleman by the name of David Webster heard that comment and decided to type up all of Tex's adventures. Jerry Vineyard then took the manuscript and placed it into three books. These books are available through the Missouri Speleological website at www.mospleo.org. The Chronicles are more like Tex's personal journal, covering his adventures from 1975 to 1987. A forward of sorts was written by Jerry Vineyard at the beginning of the first book, which we will read from in this bonus episode. From the Missouri Speleological, Volume 46, Number 2, Page 7. Gregory J. Tex Yoakum. Tex, the name that triggers memories of a smallish man, so full of energy the body could barely contain it. His brain was full of ideas, hungry for knowledge, and always ready to share his own experiences and the wisdom born of places he'd been things he'd done, and people he knew. His full name was Gregory J. Yoakum, but everybody called him Tex, and no one had a clue what the J stood for. As a younger man, he had been a rodeo rider, so the name Tex was a natural fit. He personified the name, usually under a cowboy hat. He needed a hat because his hair was thin across the top and his glasses were essential. Hats became him. Cavers knew him best in a caving helmet, but whatever headgear he wore, people were attracted to him, respected him, and learned from him. Tex Yoakum was larger than life, and his life was far too short. Tex appeared on the caving scene soon after the MSS was organized in 1956, and thereafter he blazed a trail in Missouri, caving like the comet across the night sky. The first mention of Mr. Yoakum came in the MSS newsletter in September of 1957. Quote, Greg is a skilled man with ropes, the Adams said. Indeed he was, but the ropes were not his forte. His personality was. In those early days, we had no clue what a powerful presence he would become over the next quarter century. He had a special sense of rightness, of being in command of the situation, of being confident of his abilities. He didn't appear to be afraid of anyone, nor was he awed by bureaucrats or academic titles. He respected credentialed people, of course, learning many things from them, but he was not cowed by those lofty titles and lists of accomplishments. Tex was a let's-get-it-done kind of guy, someone who had the energy, ability, and vision to do the work that is absolutely necessary for those involved in the science to advance the science of speleology. 
He collected data, lots of data. He analyzed it and he used it to predict where to find new caves and to understand the characteristics of known caves. That's what speleologists of the geological persuasion do. So Tex, even though he did not have the academic credentials, qualifies, in my opinion. And if it were not for his tireless work as a cave mapper and his unmatched rapport with landowners, the science would be far less advanced than it is today. He was a born leader. The Chronicles Begin In the fall of 1975, Tex became the Middle Mississippi Valley Grotto's rep for the Missouri Speleological Survey Board of Directors and began writing a monthly report of activities of the grotto that was published in Liaison. Thereafter, Tex rarely missed a monthly report, churning out the fascinating, often funny, occasionally sad, and always insightful account of caving activities, mostly in Perry County, Missouri. He recounted the exploration and mapping of the Moore Cave system, the passing of Lloyd Spicer, the many birthday celebrations and countless adventures in caving and landowner relations. Occasionally, he mentioned his family, but only rarely. It becomes apparent in reading the chronicles that the Perry County Cavers became his virtual family. He was crushed when he and his wife, the mother of his several children, parted company, but life went on. He never remarried and never showed his personal loss in his writings. It said that I taught Tex how to map caves. If that be the case, he raised the bar far higher than I was ever able to do. Tex was to caving maps as Tom Sawyer was to fence painting. He made it look easy, and his finished product made others want to map too. He demonstrated the value of cave maps by using them to predict where to find new passages and new caves. Mapping, as Tex practiced it, became an art form. From somewhere in his mind came the ability to not only draw straight lines on paper, plotting traverses down cave passages, but also the talent of drawing sketches of entrances and artistically portraying cave features. Tex embraced cave mapping and gave it his own unique style. The Master Cave Files contain 139 cave maps with his name credited as a mapper. Of these, he was the sole author of 40 cave maps, the principal mapper of 69, and one of several mappers on 30 additional maps. This is a record of accomplishment equaled by very few cavers in the history of the MSS. Unfortunately, an unknown number of Texas maps were apparently lost after his death, so his full production of cave maps may never be known. In addition to Texas' near-constant weekend and holiday caving activities, he was also involved in many other activities. He represented the MMV Grotto on the MSS Board of Directors for many years, giving him a reason to write the chronicles. Tex rarely missed a board meeting, and he always contributed to the discussions. To this day, the board takes a Tex break occasionally, because he said his bladder couldn't take the endless hours of sometimes boring discussion. He had many useful ideas and was quick to note the accomplishments of his fellow cavers. No one was a stronger supporter of the organization than he was. The disappearance of three boys in Hannibal in the early 1970s drew cavers from all over to try to find them. The story was the boys were last seen in a road cut on the south side of town near a cave entrance that had been intersected by highway construction. Cavers from Missouri, as well as the National Cave Rescue Group led by Bill Karras, converged on Hannibal to help in the search. All known caves were searched, as well as limestone mines and other potential sites that could be identified, but no trace of the boys were ever found. Tex became a key searcher because of his construction background, and he quickly developed a rapport with the track hoe operators who were excavating broken rock in the cut. 
He stood for hours on end on the excavator looking for traces of blood, clothing, or human remains. Because it was thought the boys might have gotten into one of the maze-type caves that were known to have underlined the road cut. Eventually, the search had to be called off. All that could be done had been done, and no trace of any kind had ever been found. Tex and the rest of the searchers went home, and the disappearance remains a mystery today. Tex the Man Tex's personality shines through the pages of the Chronicles, but it's not easy to see the man in his writings. The sheer volume of caving over the two decades makes it clear that Tex's passion for caves, the people he caved with, and the owners of the caves he visited were priorities in his life. He worked as a union tradesman, a skilled practitioner of his craft, spending much time on jobs far from his home. Most weekends were devoted to caving, so the time left for his family was necessarily limited, which may explain why his longtime marriage broke up and his final years were spent as an unmarried man living in a mobile home. He never remarried, though he had many friends and lived larger than life in the caving community. A skilled tradesman, Tex was proudest of his work on the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Though he worked on many other jobs, he found the challenges of building a unique American monument the high point of his working career. His early life as a rodeo rider is not well known, but his dynamic personality sure was a strong factor in whatever job he held over the years. And it must have been the same with his military service, about which is little known. But Tex was the sort of person who never did anything at half speed. It was full bore or nothing. Towards the end of his life, he wrote occasionally about his medical challenges, including open-heart surgery, and various infirmaries that occasionally led his friends to bring along a lawn chair on cave trips for him to rest in. These well-meant kindnesses were grudgingly accepted, but Tex was annoyed by his medical issues, hoping for a full recovery so he could cave in the way his mind wanted to. Unfortunately, his heart was failing, and his string played out while he was waiting for a heart transplant. Tex, the PR man. Reading the Chronicles is an education in how to treat cave owners in order to gain and maintain access to their caves, because Tex was a public relations genius. On more than one occasion, Tex met with an uncooperative and sometimes downright hostile landowner and, quote, charmed him right out of his shorts. As Tex was fond of saying, operating mostly among the farmers of rural Perry County, Missouri, Tex literally became one of them and enjoyed carte blanche access to their lands and caves. People willingly took him around their fields and forests to show him sinkholes, springs, cave entrances, and unusual places. They let him and his cavers camp on their land, sleep in their barns, offer buildings for shelter, and even loan him pickups. Landowner relations is a topic of constant concern to most cavers. Tension between cavers and landowners means little if any caving gets done. What was Texas' secret? Simple. He treated people with respect, and he was a neighbor to them. Some of the funniest stories in the Chronicles tell of cavers rescuing farm animals who had fallen into pits. Obviously, a farmer who thought his prized calf was lost forever became a friend for life after watching cavers recover the animal for him. Tex was especially sensitive to elderly landowners who had needs. He and his cavers repaired leaky roofs, fixed fences, repaired porches, and did all kinds of maintenance work. They sent cards and visited the sick, attended funerals and weddings, and in short, were good neighbors. Social interaction was another key to the unprecedented access Tex and his cavers had to the Perry County Karst. 
They took advantage of every opportunity to be with the people whose hospitality they enjoyed. They ate at local restaurants, bought supplies at local stores, and attended local festivals, picnics, fairs, and other events. This mindset brought benefits beyond just access to caves. Tex was invited to sit on the local park board and enjoyed a working relationship with the city and county officials that most cavers only dream about. Saying Goodbye On February 2, 1987, Tex wrote, I visited the doctor this morning. I knew something was wrong. Just six days later, he wrote, I was finally let out of the hospital today, but not in time to participate in the cave work. He passed away on April 12, 1987, completing his last monthly report to liaison at the end of March. The funeral for Tex was held in DeSoto, Missouri, a small town where Tex lived. The place was filled with family and friends. A minister who apparently had not known him offered comforting words and there was music. His life was summarized in a few words. He was born, grew up, married, and had a family and worked all of his life, then he died. His body in the open casket laid still, totally uncharacteristic of a man everybody knew as Tex. Then there was an opportunity for friends to speak, and there followed several moving tributes to Tex the Caver, Tex the Man, Tex the Leader, Teacher, Mentor, and Tex the Friend. I remember stumbling through the words I offered. The loss was too painful, and I knew that his like would not again pass among us. After the funeral, someone asked, are you going to the cemetery? Sure, I said. Isn't everybody? So we all lined up in our cars, turned on our headlights, and followed the funeral coaches carrying Texas' body and members of his family. I thought he'll be buried somewhere quaint country cemetery on a hill beneath some big cedar trees. But before long, we were on the open road heading north at highway speeds. We didn't stop until we reached St. Louis, and it finally dawned on me what was happening. Texas' final resting place would be the Jefferson Barracks National Military Cemetery. Interment in the military cemetery is an honor many veterans are accorded, but in this case it was a marvelous thing because this cemetery is an intense karis area known to geologists as the Jefferson Barracks Sinkhole Plain. How appropriate! Tex would be buried in a sinkhole. The reality was not quite that dramatic. We left the body with the cemetery officials at the building where we last said our goodbyes. Actual interment would be later in a spot chosen by the cemetery staff. When I visited the grave a few years later, I found it on a grassy slope with a flat marker recording the name, rank, and serial number of Gregory J. Yoakum, one of the honored thousands of dead who had given themselves to defend the freedom we all enjoy. I thought about that freedom that gave Tex the opportunity to do things he loved best with the people he cared for right up to the very end of his life. Is it too much to hope that Tex is exploring the heavenly hill country, looking for caves, and having a good time with friends, waiting to welcome the rest of us? The Legacy of Gregory J. Tex Yoakum What is a measure of a man? What does the sum of his accomplishments equal? Here is my summary of Tex's impact. Number one, he was a great teacher. The greatness of a teacher is measured in the success of his students. Tex taught many cavers how to map, how to relate to landowners, how to have a good time, how to give back to local community, how to work with other cavers and caving organizations. He was always teaching. He taught by example, not by books, and he left behind an army of energetic and empowered cavers who were fortunate enough to know and cave with him. Number two, he advanced speleology. 
Texas record of producing 139 cave maps, including some of the longest and most difficult caves in Missouri, is exceeded by very few others. He sparked the intense study of the Perry County Karst that produced more than 600 caves in a county where J. Harlan Bretz only knew of four. He and his cavers also made many contributions towards the understanding of groundwater movement and the functioning of springs and resurgence. Number three, he promoted environmental responsibility. Text's concerns for the environment shine through the pages of the Chronicles. The body of his work will someday be the foundation for addressing the many issues related to waste disposal, land use, and development of parklands in what is undeniably a region rich in natural resources. And number four, he left a record of who he was and what he did. Tex liked to hear the coyotes sing, to watch sunsets, and to see what the water was doing after rains, to marvel at the mighty Mississippi River, and he loved to rescue unfortunate animals who had fallen into pits. He knew the value of human relationships. He caved hard and partied the same way. Because of his writings, we who know him and those who have never knew him can celebrate his accomplishments and understanding how to enjoy life, as Tex did. Jerry D. Vineyard and that concludes the excerpts from the text chronicles and especially the intro to the text chronicles we bring you this because we want you to understand who exactly Tex Yoakum was and what his accomplishments were after the 1967 incident in Hannibal we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode i'm chris ketters and thanks for listening